Welcome to the Mother Forkin' Podcast. Mother Podcast. Where we feed you some real shit on parenting. Hi, Celeste. Hello, Megan. How are you? I am good. Very busy. It seems like we're all pretty busy these days, so that's good. In the busy season, training a little bit more, and uh, kiddos are back in class, so we're going back and forth with that as well. So very busy. How are training, you? Training meaning like clients, your personal Yeah, experience. I'm doing more um, of like, well, I have my regular in people client, and then I am also doing online, so busy doing programming there so look at you good good for you that's awesome i'm glad that it's picking up for you yeah Yeah. uh kids i mean adrian's officially in pre-k which is nuts uh briggs's daycare but he'll be switching up to the preschool age come april when he turns four and then next time this year he'll be joining his brother at the big boy school. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's and then crazy. work is just nuts. Um, I'm celebrating a birthday next week, which is awesome. I'm grateful, but I'm also like, what, how, how is that? Aging yeah. like fine wine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited and I know you are too, because we've been talking about Far. this for uh, months. It's been in the works forever. Yes. So. <laughs> And then uh, we had mishaps, uh, but lots anyway, of them. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we're here our, nonetheless. Yes. Our universes have all aligned. Uh, we are thrilled to have Jordan Claire McCraw joining us again. She, I don't know if you all remember, but a few months ago, maybe, um, yeah, we had well her back on, ago. Mm-hmm, we had her on to talk about her book of poetry that she wrote, which is phenomenal. Um, I still have it and I still open it back up every once in a while to the dog-eared page, which I never do to my books, uh, to my favorite poems. So just to have a good chuckle or to actually make me think about things. But anyway, I digress. Um, so there was just a lot to unpack the last time that we had her on and we even committed to having her on another time, um, on that first episode. So, Before we dive any deeper, let us reintroduce her. So like I said, Jordan Claire McCraw, she was raised outside of Washington, D.C. and was a 2008 graduate of the Gemstone Honors Program at the University of Maryland. She received her bachelor's degree in theater performance and English, creative writing for poetry. And then one week after graduating, Jordan moved to the UK to live with her now husband, whom she met while volunteering in West Africa. And then Jordan worked as a high school teacher in England until 2015, when the birth of her son and her struggle with postpartum depression inspired her to return to her love of acting, becoming a voiceover actress for clients in London, such as Mattel. And Jordan is now a television, film, and commercial actress based out of Los Angeles, who is represented by Shushu Entertainment. Jordan reached the, I love this part, Jordan reached the top (laughs) 16 in the 2019 Maxim CoverGirl competition as a woman's mental health advocate. And she is a proud audiobook narrator for HarperCollins and the Library of Congress. So badass. Awesome. (laughs) Hey guys, we did it. Welcome back, Jordan. Good to see you. Good to see you. How have you been since our last episode? Oh my God, it's been so crazy. Well, we moved to LA. Um, so that's, you know, been all consuming, but really special. So we've been working on that for a few months now. And um, yeah, I think we're almost entirely moved in. And you were living in where? East Coast? Yeah, we were East Coast before. So I was working out in New York. Um and, you know, I think COVID was just a massive wake up call for our mm-hmm. family. Like it got to the point where we thought if we are isolated from the outside world, does the world that we have here as a family, you know, does it spark joy, so to speak? Like, does it tick our boxes? And the answer was no. Um, there were so many things, you know, that we were like, that were getting us down that we would outsource by going to see friends or, or going out to dinner or, you know, and then when all those things were taken away, we just thought, gosh, it's wet and cold and lonely. (laughs) So we just, and, and, you know, just a big wake up call that none of us know how long we have. And so Mm. why wait, why waste a moment? And we work remotely now. So it's like, let's just go, let's go. 
and we're in the sun and we're near the beach and, um, you know, my son is able to play outside with his friends and it's just, it's, it's been a real gift. I love that you guys did that as number one, as a family unit and to also recognize that, man, this isn't making us happy. And we're actually going to do something about it versus I feel like a lot of people just get so like, well, this is considered home. We're comfortable here. Let's just still stay in our misery and not be happy. But I love that you did that. Maybe I'm the dysfunctional one because I can't do that ever. (laughs) Like I just, I like literally I cannot settle. Like if, if I don't have my peace, we're every pack right now. And, and part of it is I've always been a like nomadic, you know, I've always done that my whole life. Even when I was 21, I think my parents found out I was moving to England from like Facebook. I don't know. I just, I just kind of like a Mary Poppins. traveler. I'm out. Yeah. I, awesome. I just, I want to go where my heart takes me. And uh, if I'm not where my heart takes me, I get like crippling diseases and stuff. Like I don't do well. I think a big thing of that, a part of that too, is that so much, uh, so many people, excuse me, have a problem with commitment and just like taking mm. that leap of faith. So that's awesome. That Thanks, that's a good girl. thing. <laughs> you know, some might say I'm intense. I would say, <laughs> I would say I get the job done. So there you go. There you go. I like that. Yeah. There you go. I think you guys are cut from the same cloth. Yeah. yeah, not that's why yeah. we're good friends, all of us. Yeah, and and right, yeah. behind the scenes and behind the podcast, we stay talking about just whatever's on our mind and period yeah. underwear, period underwear. I haven't washed mine yet, by the way. So, okay. We got to give a little bit of context. Yeah. Give them a our... background story to that. <laughs> Wait, so you've yeah. tried it? No, 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 not yet. Um, okay. So I hate tampons. Clearly it's been, um, exposed. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, Jordan has also said she does not like tampons. So I don't like them because I feel like I can feel them. They're just not comfortable. So then I ditch those like, they're like killing the whales that too, that too. Um, I ditched those a couple of years ago. I ended up getting a diva cup and loved it. But then I realized Mm -hmm. like Jordan, you said, I feel like I kept leaking still. Like there was yeah. just, and I'm like, all right, n- not cool. So I kept seeing these thinks T H I N X underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come in thong versions as well as like boy, boy shorts. So I was like, I don't know. I'm just so like, ew, do you just actually, one of the questions I think what Celeste you had, like, do you just do you just, just sit there like it? a wet towel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a diaper. Right. <laughs> like I'm really excited because the ones I just got, it said it's like the equivalent of nine tampons. Yeah. And I was like, wow. But then I'm thinking, am I going to be sitting in it? Right. Like, right. I don't know. Good thing I work remotely now. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to have to do a little swaparoo, switch right. them out, buy a bunch yeah. of them. Yeah. But That's I don't know. I bought a bundle. You ladies have to keep me posted on that because I'm very curious I'm still doing the diva cup. Not sure if I'm ready for that commitment yet, but let me know. I think I just need to sage down there in general. Like just give her a fresh start. <laughs> oh, that's it. actually not a bad idea. Maybe I'll be close behind you there. Um, but yeah, so I have not washed them yet. Cause obviously anything that touches my vagina yeah. needs to be washed first. So I will go ahead, wash those. And then I'm eagerly awaiting my next period, which should be soon. Cause my boobs are pretty sore. So, uh, I actually should probably just wash them very quickly. Cause who knows? I could just start as soon as tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah, I'll keep you guys and everyone who's listening. If you guys care right, uh, in the loop on that. Yeah. So those are very conversations. Excited. We are definitely I'm very um, excited from the same cloth, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, speaking, I can't wait. Speaking of fresh start and saging it kind of goes into (laughs) what we're going to talk about today Uh, like Megan mentioned earlier we spoke with Jordan before about her book and just it it we hit some awesome points on postpartum and reality in life and we realized that like we wanted to talk more about uh, the particular topic of marriage and so um, Jordan agreed to open up and share that experience with us So Jordan, we want to first start off by asking you, um, tell us a little bit about how you and your husband decided to even think about approach open marriage 
and yeah. uh, dating other people. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, debunking Hollywood myth number 347. Um, you are not one when you get married, like you're a team, but you are each your own soul. Right. And the goal is to have souls align and be like co-pilots, you know, and um, you each bring different things to the table and you each have different roles in helping one another thrive and prosper. And, you know, depending on, you know, what your goals are for having a family, whether it's dogs, cats, children, just each other that you can work together to mobilize, to make that happen. And I think, um, when I was young, when Tom and I got married, I, I was 21 and I'll just say like right now I had a major codependence issue. I always have. And it's interesting. Recently, I joined Al-Anon, uh, for adult children of alcoholics. Um, not because my parents were alcoholics, but their parents were, and my parents didn't have the resources to work through that stuff. And I realized I have always had this codependence thing where, I feel very responsible for other people's decisions. Uh, Tom and I were very enmeshed, very young to survive. You know, we, we sort of, we mistook our enmeshment for being the perfect team. And what ended up happening is that when we came to a point where our souls would naturally grow, which I think a young person in their early twenties, they assume they've done their growing, right? When that happened, Obviously, you're not going to grow at the same pace. It just doesn't happen. You're different souls. And um, I sort of, it was kind of like I dug, I had been buried alive and suddenly I could breathe air. The day that I realized that I had been enmeshed, that I had been working through my childhood shit in my marriage and all of that. And I think it was about 29, 30, 31 um, postpartum. And I suddenly looked around me and I thought, this marriage, I can't, I can't breathe here. Um, there's no, there's no air and it's not, it had nothing to do with him. Uh, he had his own issues and they were colorful. <laughs> we both had our colorful little probs, but, but actually we had just created an environment that was uninhabitable long-term and neither of us really had any prior experience with, um, open expressive marriages. We hadn't had them modeled for us. So we had, we had no idea that this would be coming and it caught us by surprise. And I just, I, it, it was weird because it wasn't that I didn't love him anymore. It wasn't that I wasn't in love with him. I just could not breathe in the same space. And it was almost like the marriage we were in had reached an expiration date and it had died and we needed to have a reboot and we needed to take some time apart to grow as individuals, to figure out what we want in this new chapter of our lives as individual souls, as our own people, and then hopefully come back together. And it, it, again, it wasn't even like we woke up one day and we're like, I'm bored. I want to date. It wasn't even that. It was, it was like nature commanded it. Like it, there was no way forward unless we took a step out. Interesting. Wow. So how was it scary for you? Were you like, I don't know if I like this or was it kind of the opposite where you're like, Ooh, now I feel like I can actually breathe a little. I was so excited. You were. <laughs> I was okay. so excited. And I know that's terrible, but it's because like, again, in, in my early twenties, I would see people dating and I would think, thank God, I don't have to do that. You know, cause I got hit so young. I was like, I don't have to deal with that. I can focus on my career, blah, blah, blah. Naive early twenties. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> in my early thirties, I was like, I would kill to go on a date. <laughs> I would kill. Yeah. Like, I just wanted to like put on a skirt and like, like I'm the one in the window. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the yeah. unicorn sticker, you know, <laughs> like I wanted to know what that was like, because I think you, as, as you age, right. And maybe you guys, I don't know, have you guys experienced this where like with wisdom comes the, the desire for more wisdom and like anything you haven't done, any boxes you haven't ticked, they become really, yeah, yeah, they get really seductive and it's like, oh shit. Like I, I haven't done this thing or that thing. And, um, and it gets, it gets all the more delicious. So yeah, this is something I had totally skipped and I wanted to see what it was like. And luckily for Tom, it was awful. 
<laughs> it was absolutely oh man i was not expecting awful. you to say that yeah. it was so bad and like i'm so gutted because i was like all right guys i'm here tick 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 and like literally like some creepers came some you know i don't know predators there there was a Wait, whole how did you find these men what what was what happened like traditional friends, dating friends, or dating friends apps? online well okay so here was it was it was an unfortunate coincidence that all of this happened at around the same time I was doing Maxim, okay. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, again, something I had not experienced because I got married so young is men pretending to be in love with you because you're mm. a poet, for example, and not just wanting to bone you. You know. Yeah. Um, I was so naive. You know, I was so naive, and it's funny because like. I was pretty precocious, like obnoxiously so person in my 20s. Like I was was gung-ho career, gung-ho life, responsible choices, responsible that. And I was so naive and I had no idea until I tried to date. And there's so many rules now too that you don't know about, right? Like even like online dating, like everyone is sexting. Yeah. yeah. Everyone is sexting. Like, I was like, what is this? Yes, please. So there, I mean, it's, I don't know this obviously because I've been married and everything, but girl, um, you know, there's, there's a girl <laughs> uh, who I'm on my, my bookstagram account and she's constantly posting her conversations that she has with these guys in the, whatever apps that she's using for dating. So she and her boyfriend just recently broke up and now she's like, Oh, back in the dating scene. And she's constantly taking these photos of the, the conversations of posting them. And it's, it's literally like the guy, hi, what's your name? Great. Want a bone? Just like within like two or three messages. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Where are we meeting really- up? What, yeah. I guess it's like, it's almost like an expectation as well. And I knew, I know this through uh, my younger friends too. They're like, everyone knows that they're like, everyone knows that there's, I guess there's certain apps that are like, if you're on this one, this is what you're looking like for Tinder, a fun time. That's what I've heard. There's so mm-hmm. many now. Yeah. Um, I I've think got, Bumble oh, is one of them. Hinge, okay. Hinge is just like a feeding ground for nastiness. There's also, no. and you know, um, La 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 Let Me Explain is a friend on um, Instagram and she, she oh. does a lot of talking about, you know, sexual politics and dating, um, particularly for women postpartum. And she was saying recently, you know, that there are a lot of women now who have guys coming toward them on these apps and just hooking a date. And as soon as they hook the date, they ghost. And it's just, they're using it as an ego boost. Yeah. And it's so messed up. And like, I think every single one of these women, until they come to one of these platforms and see it being talked about, thinks it's something they did wrong, thinks it's them feels used and dirty. And I mean, there really needs to be, there need to be guides, right? For women in particular on these sites, like do not post your face. If you send a nude, don't include your face. Um, you know, like if, if a guy says this or does that, or, you know, like how to get out of a situation that's uncomfortable or red flags that you're being used, you know, for sex. Especially because people want to see, I'm sorry for interrupting. Um, no, like they, they want to see the, like, the best in people so they're not assuming yeah. that like especially when yeah. you're so vulnerable like hormones and all that I mean I had anxiety postpartum so I can't imagine like thinking is this guy gonna meet me up and kill me you know <laughs> like just thinking <laughs> or, or so just much the crazy opposite thoughts. thinking or, that yeah. they really are in love with you that's true yeah. you know Ugh. and like these dudes are like messing women around and particularly women with kids like Ugh. I have um a lot of girlfriends who have children whose first relationships didn't work out for whatever reason. And they're, they're looking for a new partner and it's just like really tough to get through the firewall of fuck boys, you know, who just, um, who don't want any responsibility. They just want a quick bang. And a lot of women are getting hurt. And, um, yeah. And I think that was, that was, you know, that was part of the learning journey was figuring out that actually I was going onto these things very naively. Like it was the nineties and I'm like, 
you want to date me? Sure, I will date you. And then they disappear. And I'm like, what? We had an arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? What did I do wrong here? What? Oh, I know. And the gray ticks phenomenon, you know, and all of that. So, yeah, it was it's intense. Ago. Yeah. It's like, intense. All this is not, not sounding exciting. And I'm sad for people, you know, because I think I went through enough disaster in my brief foray into humanity, which by the way, was humanity's loss. Okay. Because I was ready for a good time and they literally did not show up, (laughs) but I, I just feel like I came away from that having had grown so much in myself that then, and then my husband was doing work on himself at the same time. And we were able to come back together on higher ground and be very open and very fragile together and just like take it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we moved out to Hollywood. Cause we were like, you know what? Bliss, bliss, bliss. We're not, we're not going to pretend ever again. We, we are just going to listen to our hearts and we are able to have those kinds of conversations now because of what we went through. But I, I, I do feel for women who like technically, I mean, there was no guarantee that Tom and I would grow back together, but mercifully we did, you know, and, and like if, if a woman's relationship is definitively over when she enters this terrain, like it can be a long wait. It's nasty. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I miss, I miss conventional dating. Like I do think there are yeah. guys out there who like sincerely want that, but it's hard to find yeah. them. Yeah, totally. But so, okay, let's reverse a little bit, go back to talking about your experience with the whole dating thing. Obviously it was not successful, uh, based on what you're saying, but the people that you did meet, were you like, Oh, all right, maybe. And then how was that when you were with them? How did you feel about your relationship with Tom? How did you feel about even your growth within yourself? Like finding that, like you're mentioning that confidence or, or not finding that confidence. How was that like? Well, I had this fantasy, right? Before the open marriage, I had this fantasy of having my own flat coming home from work throwing my coat and bag on the bed, going out on a date, maybe a few different dates a week, just the whole single woman thing. I had never done that. You know, again, I left like a very enmeshed birth family and married, um, you know, immediately. Yeah. Yeah, Because I, I just think it was a safety mechanism, you know, um, my, my birth family situation had expired and I, I transitioned very hard, very immediately. Um, so I had never gotten to be independent and I think that was actually what I craved. Right. And I think my sexuality is sort of defined by the lust for independence. Actually, that's something I've realized. And when Tom and I ended our open marriage, by the way, it was at the start of COVID and I was like, oh, we're doing this now. We're going to like end it while we're stuck in a house together. (laughs) Pull back in like all the way, literally. I was like, so, so we're, that's what's happening. And he's like, actually going to ask you the timeline. So like you, you got, you got married young. So what was the time frame? 12 years later. Right. It's not what you said. Like 31. Yeah. Yeah. It was at like the 10 year mark. Okay. And then I would say like probably February, 2020. Which we I, ended it. I feel like from talking about this more openly and hearing different couples, it's it's really normal. And everyone has different variables. Like not everyone got married young. Some people, like even uh, one of my friends, she was like, I went into my marriage straight with motherhood. So all these yeah. different things affect it. And I can yeah. only imagine it's so normal to have that, to go through that, to be like, we need to pump the brakes right now. You know, it's yes, kind of like what I'm going through as well. Like I'm like, where are we going with our lives and where are we growing? Yeah. And, and I think that was too, like, my book was written in that place of brokenness, you know, where it was like, I woke up one day in a psych ward and suddenly thought it was like, it was like waking up in a bomb shelter. Everything that I thought I had built was wrong for me. And since then, I have decided that I think about every 10 years, people like souls go through a revolution. Like I, 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 that's just a guess. And I'll come, I'll let you know in 10 years. 
And based on our current it. phone threads, probably every 20 minutes until then. But <laughs> I, I'm going to let you know, because I think about every 10 years, we have a major cosmic shift in our awareness and who we are in our enlightenment. And um, Tom and I were at that 10 year mark, you know, and, and yeah. And then we, we ended it in COVID because it was a little awkward to be in an open marriage in the same house. And, <laughs> and I was really mad at him. And I, well, were you long okay story short, ending it though? no, the- I wasn't. And because it hadn't, because I hadn't gotten what I thought I wanted out of it. Right. Okay. I wanted to have successful sexual experiences in the world. And I had not had that. And Tom and I, um, again, were very emotionally constipated and we hadn't been able to give that, you know, we, we didn't know it. a lot about it, you know? So we, I, I wanted to go, I was a researcher, right? I'm a researcher. I was like, I am doing research. I am in the fields. I want to learn about sex. I want to learn about relationships. I want to learn about people. And I'm an extrovert, you know? So like I learned by bouncing off of other people's vibrations and I had stagnated, particularly, you know, as a mom, because then I, I lost my job after I became a mother because I couldn't, I, working full-time would not even quite cover the cost of childcare. So, you know, so that's when I went freelance artist, but I spent a lot of time isolated and I needed other people. I needed other people. Um, and so when Tom said he just couldn't do it anymore and, and he really wanted it to be over and we had always had a deal that if one of us pulled the plug, we'd have to respect it. I was pissed because I thought, but I haven't finished growing. And what's been fascinating since that moment in time is I had to turn inward. And, and first I had to come to a place of acceptance with, with his, where he was, because I had no choice because it's fucking COVID, right? We're stuck in the same house and I don't want my son to see us in conflict. So I had to work through that. But then also it's weird because I hadn't like finished working through my sexuality. And then I started working on it in different ways. And I realized actually I don't need a bunch of fuck boys to teach me about my sexuality. What I need is this sweatsuit budget. (laughs) (laughs) I need a better activewear budget. Like I want to figure out like, what do I wear? How do I carry myself? What, what makes me vibe? Like, and then there was the whole, like, and sometimes I do say to Tom, like, I might be a lesbian. And he's like, tomorrow, you know? Like I just, we didn't, I never worked through that. And that's the other thing. I was heteronormative enough that I was able to just marry a man very young, but I never did the exploration, any of that. So now I'm at the point where it's like, I, I've come to enjoy learning who I am, not for the sake of having sex with other people, but for the sake of self-identifying, you know? And I think my book was the beginning of that journey. My book was, you know, in American Rapture, I think the whole focus was what the fuck is going on and fuck am I? Yeah. Who the fuck am I? What the fuck? All I do is watch Paw Patrol and feel sad, you know? And, and, and now it's like, oh, there's this rich inner world that did not exist before because I had to turn that somewhere when Tom shut me down on that other, on that other level. And, and, and I'm so grateful to him that he did that. Cause I'm like, actually, this is way more rewarding. And now I'm like, you know, in a marriage, like pretty, like happily we're in a very good place. And I'm like, yeah, I'm polyamorous and I'm, you know, maybe by, I don't know. I've, I've never explored it, but I'm chill. Like I just, um, I'm a soul that's vibing. And so where are you, where are you at now with your feelings and, and also your, your husband, how is he feeling with everything? Tom is very straight and <laughs> very not polyamorous. And like, he's so introverted that even if he was polyamorous, like he would never give himself the option of knowing, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's very, Tom is a quiet, very self-sustaining soul, you know, and I've come to appreciate that he is a majorly grounding force in my life. Yes. And, and, and that works. And I think now that we've come to peace with the fact that we're so fucking different, which is why we had to take the time apart. Right. Because, but coming back together, we were so grateful to come back together that we're like, I'm so grateful that we're coming back together, even though we're so different you know, so there is that acceptance now. And so he knows I'm Polly. He knows I'm this, he knows I'm that like, 
I'm Jordan sexual. It's what's happening. I, I may or may not have sex ever again. I may not want to, but that's not the point. It's about how I relate to the universe. And, you know, and I'm so grateful to be in a place where I can be a little more self-sustaining. I never was before, you know? So how do you guys being so different and going through that journey and being like, okay, we did this, maybe it's out of our system. And how do you compromise on such differences? Is that something that, I mean, I guess the answer is, is constant reflection and constant, you know, I compromise. Yeah. I compromise with my art, Celeste. Like I, I compromise with my art. I throw myself into every character I'm handed in my acting journey, you know, um, whether she's a slut, and I say that with <laughs> saliva in my mouth, whether she's a slut or, um, you know, a fastidious, paranoid lawyer, I don't care who the woman is. Mm-hmm. I just throw the full weight of my sexuality and my energy into making her alive, you know? And that's kind of where I get my kicks is, is in my performance work. And, and also, you know, in performing my poetry and seeing other women respond to it. And right now I'm, I'm in the process of developing a pitch. Um, it's very near completion for the American Rapture. It, well, there's, there's a project, there's an entertainment project. Ooh. And yeah, and it's very exciting. And there were some delays this year with COVID and everything else. But again, you know, I think everything in its time and as that comes to fruition, I feel myself um, being more and more ready to just like heal with the work, you know? Mm-hmm. I've had to do a lot of healing and the work has had to take a back seat while I do some healing. Yeah. And now I'm ready to like help people. And as I see women responding to the work and finding the work to be a healing space, I get off on that. Mm-hmm. That's like so thrilling. And yeah. what's wonderful is, long answer to your question, I feel like my sexuality is almost inverted into making my inner world such a more joyful space. Like I had to turn that lust in and, um, and yeah, that's, that's how I compromise. I compromise by living a fuller life in general. And I, you know, an orgasm is such a fleeting thing on a physical level, but if your whole life feels that good, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. That's why I live near Malibu, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Getting your fix on the daily. Love it. Yes. Yes. What about your son and all this? How was he? Did he even know? His, was he affected by it at all? No. I mean. <laughs> or how, how old was he or is um, he, how old is he, he first of was, all? I'm only laughing because we say, was he affected by it? He's affected by literally everything. He's the most sensitive. Like he got all, he's all me. Um, but he was not consciously aware. He was, I think at the time, like around three or four. And, and, and the one thing I will say is that I'm really glad that Tom and I did this before we hated each other because we were able to do it as best friends. And sometimes there were like conflicts, but your three or four year old doesn't know about your sex life. Right. They just see their parents treating each other with respect and love. And there was a lot of love in our house. Still, we were just both sick. Um, and we were trying to heal as efficiently as possible. So I think, you know, I will, I would say I regret that that energy was in his space, but I don't because, uh, we're still together. You know, I think it saved our marriage. It saved our family. Um, and now he has a pool so he can chill. (laughs) it's fine think, um in looking like looking in for our kids the parent situation and the dynamic it's so good for them to see that though because yeah. they need to see guess what relationships are hard they're complicated and there is a way for us to find uh respect common ground love and if you're seeing one thing like oh my parents never fight in front of me like it's it's creating that's starting at a young age this imagery of like 
my parents are, oh, they're perfect. And I would never see them. Right. Really never know what's happening behind doors. So and that's think- what happened in our birth families, both yeah. of us. That's what happened. And then we had no concept of how, and then, well, my parents' marriage just imploded out of nowhere. Like, I was like, what? Like, I didn't, a little openness would have gone a long way, mm-hmm. you know? And um, Tom's family historically just don't, don't engage with conflict at all. So we were both kind of, we've had to learn from scratch how to do it. And so one policy that we always have, and we hate it, but it's our policy, <laughs> is that if we fight in front of Julian, then within like minutes, we make a show of you know, Tom in front of Julian, in front of Julian. <laughs> She's like swallowing hard. Tom, yeah. I just wanted to say how sorry I am that I raised my voice and that I didn't listen well. I should have done that. And next time I'll try harder. And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> oh man, I'd be, it'd, it'd be so hard not to laugh. So right? there's some humor in that. I know, but you know, we're just trying to at least it's like, use what you're given, use what God gave you. God gave you this fight, use it as a learning tool, like teach him how to fight well, you know? And I, and I have a lot of friends who are in, well, one friend I was talking to the other day, you know, they're in relationships where they're afraid of the relationship feeling and they're just like avoiding it and dancing around it. And they're not going to therapy while things are still good to avoid what they see coming up ahead or you know, having these really hard conversations. And it really is like cutting off your nose to spite your face because it's going to be ugly anyway. Like life is hard. Get the hard part over with. Just like have the hard talk, go to therapy while things are good. Like just get the ugly shit gone so -hmm. you can live. Like don't have it hanging over your head. Yeah. Speaking of like people and your friends and, and you're right, this is so common. Like someone's is doing the dance with their partner of like, shit's getting rough shit's getting hard and nobody's doing the work so my question for you is how when you did talk about that or if people found out with your open marriage with it being so taboo how did you uh, avoid feeling shame or judgment from anybody writing a book of poetry about it there you go you got it you know just if, if the pretentious ass card is is your ace in the hole just keep it right here you know Like, I just thought, fuck it. I'm going to make a piece of art out of this because I I know everybody's going to judge me, but it's like the emperor's new clothes. Everyone I'm talking to is fucked up. Everyone's relationship is a mess. And everyone acts like having a step away, having an open marriage, doing these things is taboo. Okay, well, my friends are like cheating and not telling their partner, but nobody looks down on that. Like, I'm actually telling my husband, this isn't working for me. And like, we're like outcasts. No, no. So I took my power back by making art out of it. And actually now by like trying to support my family with it, you know, and that's, that's funny too, because, you know, my book was illustrated with photographs by Jimmy Fontaine and Atlantic records. I went straight to the top. I, I, I made, I allied myself with the best creatives in the industry in New York at the time where I was working that I could find. And I said, this trauma is so profound um, that it is clearly something that, you know, other people, maybe I can save other people from, you know, this is something of significance um, and I'm going to make something beautiful out of it. And, and it's weird that my son will, it's not weird now, actually. It's, it was a little weird at first that one day my son's going to read the book and he's going to, you know, have questions about, you know, me getting famous off of my affairs. <laughs> Lies. Um, no, I, I, I just, I'm proud. I'm proud because I'm like, mommy made a dope ass book that saved a lot of lives. Um, and, and, and saved our lives and I'm going to support us off of it. Like I'm going to take that pain that almost killed us and use it and leverage it to give us our power back and, and to give us a platform, not only for outreach, but for self-sustaining and enriching our world, you know? Um, and I'm going to make him proud and I'm, I hope for you. I hope what I can teach him. Yeah, guys, I hope what I can teach him is do not be ashamed. Mm -hmm. Do not be ashamed. You get ahead of that shit. 
something happens in your life that you hate, you hold it and, and you, and you look in the eye and you say, what can I make with this? And if you're lucky, maybe you can make something that means other people won't have to hold it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's why we're here. We're just here to do I think that. It's a great lesson for not only yourself and your partnership, marriage, relationship, whatever you want to call it with your husband, but then also to show Julian what it is and how you are treating this situation and I hope how so. you face everything head on versus like sweeping it under the rug. Like, I think you said it was Tom's parents who just don't like conflict. So they're just like, mm, they just avoid it. But I think, I think it's awesome. So go you. Thanks babe. Thanks babe. And honestly, you know, chronic illness is really ugly. I was going to say that there, and this is exactly what you're going in, in, in explaining in detail with is that there is just this huge amount of peace that comes with owning your truth, no yeah. matter how ugly or how weird or bizarre, or just, just challenging it may feel and seem to other people. Like once you own it, that's you, that's your truth. And there's peace within yourself. And I think that that's the most important thing that anybody could learn or should learn in life. Well, I want to thank my parents though, because I used to have a lot of anger toward them um, for the way I grew up and, you know, things that happened afterwards. I'm not mad anymore. I, I have compassion for them, but mostly I'm grateful because they, they, they very articulately modeled what not to do. I mean, that sounds, that sounds unkind and I don't mean it unkindly. I mean, I feel for them. They tried to do all the right things in life and, um, and ended up so unhappy and it broke my heart. My heart breaks for them. And I just think, Mm -hmm. okay, guys, don't worry. I've been watching and you've given this to me. You've given this to me and I can fix it. And one of my poems, I say, you know, I'm the stopgap. I'll stop running. I, I will be the one to sort of yeah. stand up and be the levies. And if I break, so be it. But I, they watching them has been the ultimate, it's been the ultimate performance of how to live a life in just seeing, you know, from, from the beginning to where they are now. And, and I hope that I can, um, change that for my son and that he will grow up in a home where everybody is, you know, beautifully imperfect. And, you know, the other day, the other day, I will add this in. And I know we're running short on time. The other day I was, I felt so stupid because I went to this thing for new parents at the new school where you're supposed to be like a person. (laughs) And I, I have been like in my garden, like stress gardening, and I had like cacti in my hair and I, I had not shaved my legs. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, why should I shave my legs? I don't want to, I'm going yeah. through a lot. And like, I, I just rocked up, I rocked up. And then I felt like shit about it. And I was like, I look ugly and I hated it. And like, and Julian's <laughs> sick. So he didn't care. And then afterward I was like, I just have to have a moment with you. And he said, okay, what mom? And I said, I should have shaved my legs. Like he was six. Like I had to tell someone. I felt so bad about it. And he just goes, "Mom, I believe in you." Oh, <laughs> that's the best thing like, ever. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. That's it. the motto around here. So, I believe in you. A little, a little uh, tangent on shaving your legs. I uh-huh. used to do it every day every fucking day. And then finally I became mom and I was like, Oh, every once in a week is fine. And add Whatever. COVID. Add and COVID then, and then COVID. Okay. And so now, uh, we moved to Tulsa from Houston and we're at this new neighborhood and I, we go to the pool often the community pool and I'm there. And then like you continue seeing the same people over and over at the community pool who ends up becoming acquaintances and then eventually friends. And then they like sit next to you and I hear oh my God. just like, yeah, legs Pressure. not shaved. Oh, totally. And I was like trying to hide it, you know, sitting cross-legged and just like tucking my legs underneath my butt. And then finally I was like, 
I, I just came out and said, yeah, I don't, my legs aren't shaved. I'm so sorry. Like, I just, I just felt like I had and that's to. that's hundred percent Megan. She'll yeah. be like, you're not even noticing it. And she's like, by the way, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now I see it. And the thing Get is ahead too, of it. Yeah, Get ahead of that judgment. Yeah, she's owning it. <laughs> She's and the, well, well, I was it. one of those, I was one of those kids too, who had like one of those big pimples on her face in school. And the first thing, instead of being like, hi guys, I'd be like, oh, did you see my pimple? Just to like show like, <laughs> Hey, I'm, you know, I know yeah. There. So, yeah. But, um, no. And then the thing is too, you're right. She totally was like, I didn't even notice, but yeah. we're still, we still hang out. We're still friends. So <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ruin it. No, I didn't. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, guys, I can't, I can't with all this human expectation. It's a lot. It is. It's a lot. Very draining. Mm -hmm. It's so draining. I'm glad. And like mom life too, man, like other moms, like they raise the bar and I'm, (laughs) I'm just like, y'all are lucky. I showed up. Like I'm here for my son. I'm here for my son and my son only. I'm not here to make friends. And then I go home. I'm like, I'm so <laughs> you're right. I should like... try a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, like, oh man, what a missed opportunity. Yeah. There's always tomorrow to miss it again. Oh, but <laughs> I'm gonna try. Now that we're in California, whole new yeah. start. Whole new start. I've decided once my couch arrives, I will start being a person. Like, there I feel go. like I need that. I need that before host I can a, like host fully a book commit. Club. Host a book club. Yes, with your couch. but that'll have to be outside. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're right. COVID, sorry. Yeah, because I'm one of those like people who doesn't want to get COVID. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I'm kind of like, I went. I think like, I told you guys I went to the like. I was like, I'm in California. I'm gonna go to a water bar, and I went to the water yeah, bar yeah. the other day, and I was losing mind, and I was so like stressed out, and I was like, oh, traffic getting to the water bar, and then I was in there, and a woman was like full on breathing on my water jug, and I just, I was like, excuse me, can you not breathe on my water? And then, oh my gosh. The manager, the manager started laughing. She was like, she okay. I'm like, she lived. <laughs> like, I just way, like over the people. There is uh, I agree with you over the people. It's totally me too. Um, but there is a water bar, the multiple here in Tulsa. I was quite <gasps> yes, Yay! right down the road. Yeah. So I need to do my research again. Yeah. Holy oh my god. That's awesome. Healthy, healthy guts are us. 2021, 22. Yeah. Moms like, don't have it. time to be sick. And, not right. And I told you guys I've had chronic illness this year and I'm convinced mm-hmm. that it was a follow on from my hospitalization, my mental health hospitalization mm-hmm. that like, I think that happened. I worked very hard to get past it, but I was, I was commuting in and out of Manhattan for work within like three days of being discharged and nobody knew at work. Wow. Um, nobody knew. And I just carried on with life and carried on being a mom. And then COVID hit and I was caring for my dad and I was caring for my family. And it was just like too much. Yeah. Your body starts yeah. telling you, hello, slow down and, and yeah. pay attention. And mm-hmm. I yeah. will force I, you to. Exactly. I literally gave myself a disease in isolation, uh, from stress and it's been a real wake up call. And I've been on like a deep spiritual dive this year doing all kinds of things that my general practitioner would like not agree with. I just, I just, you know, I just suddenly realized that my soul had corrupted my body and the antibiotics only do so much, you know, as coming from the person who's been on them for the past four months. And I I've had to learn how to completely I revamp my relationship with my biology. And I don't know about you guys, but I think COVID as well is just like, you know, for sure. We are not, it's a vicious cycle because you want to be as healthy as you can be. But then also the, the looming stress and anxiety um, forces that, you know, into a very tight corner. Yeah. Well, we're happy that you're feeling much better and that you were here to do our episode with us. Um, you know what? Yes, me too. I'm so happy. Look at us alive and talking. I know. I would say you're glowing because I can see you literally. So, oh, you know, and it's like there's a light directly in my face. And <laughs> no, it's I'm the California wa- sun. It's, that it's actually it's my look. it's my glasses. <laughs> the reflection. <laughs> yeah, but no, Are it's you- so good to see you guys, and I've missed you. And you know, like I've, um. I've missed our talks and I'm excited. I'm excited, you know, because 
obviously we're going to keep talking and, you know, we're friends now and we have this dialogue and also the, the book, American Rapture book is what brought us together. And it was what is now propelling my life forward. And I love the thought. Yeah. I love the thought of like, yeah, I think now that I'm in a healed space using this, um, this sort of docu documentary of an unhealed space, uh, using that as a way forward in life. I think that's really cool. Cause I think a lot of times when people heal, they, they pretend that the bad stuff didn't happen. So we mm. don't have a lot of records of it. And there's not a lot of maps out there for people about how to mm. survive those times, you know? So I feel so, grateful to be here, man. Thank you for man. being that map. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And okay, how can people find your book? Um, so it's American Rapture poems from a heartscape you can find it on amazon um you know anywhere online really barnes and noble i found out it was being sold at walmart and i was like oh um but it's american rapture poems from a heartscape and on audible so and recorded by you by moi i'm gonna have okay now i definitely will yes i need to hear that we have to download it and listen to you with yep. some original music composition. Ooh. Wow. So very cool. Yes. You, yes. So you're doing it on your piano. It wasn't me on my piano. Uh-oh. It was my it was my best friend Tony on his piano. Okay. And we composed the music together and me singing. Oh, and um awesome. and just, you know, I'm really what I do guys is I perform my poetry. That's what I do. I make a space for people. And and so I'm really excited. So stay tuned because I'm gonna let you know how things go this fall. Yes. And probably next, knowing Hollywood, probably next spring as well. I love that. (laughs) Things, but things are evolving and and we're going to take this to people. So for all you that have not read the book, check it out. Um, Audiobook is a great way for you busy moms, busy dads. You can listen to it in your car at home. But thank you so much, Jordan. We love you. And it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. I love you guys. I'm so glad to be in your space. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.